On the phone line with us today is Stella Morabito. She is a senior contributor with The Federalist. Uh, Stella, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. You know, a little while ago you wrote an article for The Federalist. Uh, It was titled, 20 Plus Questions Mass Schooling Survivors Need to Answer Before Hyping Gun Control. And uh, this is an important issue because of the outpouring of people protesting and marching and actually being funded by the left, but that's often not mentioned. Um, But I'm really interested, can you tell our listeners what your article was about and also get into um, what is covered in schools? Is it truly education? So let's open this can of worms and, and, and begin talking about it. Sure. Um, well, in anticipation, I wrote this piece in anticipation of the, the the mass protests that have been organized in Washington, I guess other cities, um, uh, headed up by the, uh, what they call the Survivors of Parkland, but uh, very well funded and organized by celebrities and, and uh, other, you know, organizations um, to uh, pretty much hype gun control, uh, and my my basic thesis is that um, the real story is a lot deeper and a lot broader than just gun control. Uh, obviously, it's probably the biggest mass agitation rally uh, that we've seen so far. To you know, I think really to abolish the Second Amendment. I mean, a lot a lot of people are actually talking about that on that side as well. But I think the real story is coming out of, so much of this comes out of what I call mass schooling um, and mass public schooling uh, because it serves mass conformity. And that's what you see in the marches. That's what you see in the way these kids that seem almost programmed to, well, I want to say almost, basically programmed to uh, spew forth these talking points that, um, you know, are pretty much, the way I see it, anti-Constitution. Um, they haven't learned about the Constitution. They haven't learned uh, really about American history, at least not in any way that's uh, objective or, you know, the basic facts of the founding of the country and why and why we have a Constitution and what it's for and uh, the, what the Bill of Rights really stands for. And really what it stands for is individual rights, the individual against the mass state. And yet here you see these people protesting, these kids being used to pretty much prop up the mass state as opposed to the individual. So I'm sorry, that's not a five-second soundbite, but that's just the way I see what's happened, that it's really about mass conformity. Yeah. Um, years ago, I remember hearing my father-in-law speak of courses that he had to take uh, in school, and he spoke of civics. Mm-hmm. He would learn the basic fundamentals of basically how to be a good citizen within a constitutional republic. In fact, some of the things that even people applying for citizenship have to have some kind of knowledge of. And I'm thinking, what is with the kids today? And I realize, no, it's not the kids so much as it is their teachers and the system that's shoving stuff down their throats. That's right. I mean, 
the way I see it is, uh, you know, it's hard for me even to say liberal versus conservative or left versus right. What right. we've got going here right. is the idea that individuals have the right to think their own thoughts versus those who believe individuals or who would say don't have the right to think their own thoughts. What we really are seeing is a war against independent and clear thinking. And uh, when you view the mass conformity, the mass, uh, you know, the behavior, the triggering, you know, when people get triggered, they talk about this a lot on college campuses, when students hear a viewpoint that they're not familiar with or a viewpoint that goes against what they've been programmed emotionally to accept, they, they get emotionally triggered. And I see that as kind of a reflex that comes out of the programming that they've undergone for umpteen years of mass schooling. These, these are not friendly places for developing, um, you know, a, a real personality, um, a personality that, you know, where you are able to see yourself in the context of history because history isn't taught anymore, really. The content is not taught. The kids have basically had their ability, their capacity to think for themselves stolen from them. That's how I see it. Um, there's some good books written about this. John Taylor Gatto, I mentioned him in my piece. He wrote a book called, uh, he was Teacher of the Year in New York City uh, until he uh, re resigned, retired in 1991, wrote a piece for Wall Street Journal stating that he's had it, of the damage that this mass schooling does to the kids. Um, a couple of his books, one is called Dumbing Us Down, another is called Weapons of Mass Instruction, and he's also, uh, he wrote a, a huge volume on the, what he calls the underground history of education in America, which is all about um, uh, sorting kids into various uh, categories. You see this a lot with the identity politics that's being pushed on them. And, and, you know, kids are highly suggestible to, um, you know, the, the uh, opinions that are being um, foisted on them. So it's, uh, it, it's a pretty bad uh, environment uh, for actual learning. And you're right. I mean, you said your grandfather or your father was talking about actually learning how to be a good citizen. Yeah, it was my father-in-law, and, and the course in those mm -hmm. days was, was called Civics. And uh, mm -hmm. they, they, they learned the fundamentals of, of our constitutional republic, and, and I thought, wow, we really need to get back to that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a war on that right now. I mean, if you haven't <laughs> noticed, I mean, the idea that, uh, you know, now, now kids on college campuses are arguing against free speech, I mean, you know, it seems unbelievable that yeah. something like that could happen. But it happens when, um, you know, people are basically programmed. And people are programmable, you know, if there's enough um, influence, if they're cut off from other viewpoints, if they're cut off from the idea of civil discourse and conversation, uh, um, and and they have the relationships um Basically, their freedom of association uh, is, there's an attack on that. You know, if you look at uh, just the, the environment of mass schooling with the cliques and the, the sorting and, and uh, you know, how some kids are, are um, you know, tainted and smeared as 
weirdos and sure. uh, you know it, 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 it's 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 really noxious environment for a free republic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the, in a previous piece, um, I just, I just threw out a statistic from uh, the Center for Education Statistics uh, that pretty much tells it all. And in 1929, there were 248,000 public schools in the United States. By 2014, the number of public schools in the U.S. had shrunk to 98,000, far less than half of the number in 1929. So you can see the population practically tripled during that time. So you can see what's happened is this herding, this bureaucratic, this growth of the bureaucracy, herding kids into these huge mega schools. I mean, the Parkland School has like 3,200 kids. And what happens in these huge kind of institutional settings is, you know, the the effect that it has on, uh, you know, a child's sense of self and a child's sense of purpose in life, you know, with everything else that goes on in that bureaucracy, um, is very damaging. And, And so we're seeing, I think we're just really just seeing the 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 bad fruits of that this right now yeah that's an excellent point and um this idea of herding i i haven't heard it expressed that way but that's exactly what it is and and this idea of mass schooling uh, that that really hits the the nail on the head it really resonates with me um you know you, you had mentioned the the free speech aspect and i sit here and scribbled something on my paper uh, you can speak as long as you say what I want to hear. That's that's the feeling I'm starting to get. Uh, that that you know you've got free speech as long as you blather out what we have programmed into you. Exactly. Very totalitarian. Yeah. And you know totalitarians. You know the Soviet system, Maoist. You know all these kind of totalitarian systems. They always kind of you. They have like a, a veneer, a front of you know uh, equality, social justice, you know all that stuff that you, they use as a fig leaf to cover the uh, intent, which is to shut you up yes. and to undermine your um, you know your freedom, your ability to think for yourself, which is what makes us human, which makes us able to have real relationships. Uh, able to have friendships. Um, the, the other thing people don't realize is that actual friendship, real friendship, is really inseparable from freedom. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're not allowed to speak openly, uh, you can't have relationships. You can't verify reality with another person. Uh, you know, look at political correctness. What's the point of political correctness? It's to um, trigger self-censorship. You know, develop this fear that if you speak what you believe, that you're going to be rejected socially. That's the whole point of it. That's how totalitarian regimes uh, behave. And we see that in our own culture now. Um, that's what political correctness is. It's just basically about shutting you up so that you can't have relationships that are one-on-one friendships with other people. That's what's happening. And mass schooling uh, is, is that's another reason it is so unhealthy for children, is they have to develop, instead of developing their personalities, they're developing personas, which are masks that they wear to try to 
fit in with others. And mm. it, it's just, it, it's, it's, base, it's criminal in my opinion. Now in your article, you had um, 20-something questions for independent thinkers. I love that title. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and one of the ones in bold is, why not focus on all forms of school violence since school homicides are more often the result of beatings or stabbings than shootings? Um, could you comment on that uh, question and answer? Sure. I don't have the statistics at my fingertips. Uh, I, I read a piece recently that said that they're, they've been, since Columbine, you know, it's, it's more than double of school homicides have been from beatings or stabbings than from shootings. But um, obviously, you know, the mass shootings, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, drama in that because they kill a lot more people at once. Right. But the source is the same. The source is an alienated individual, somebody dysfunctional who resorts to violence. And, and you know, the cause of, uh, why not, you know, why don't they investigate the causes of all school violence? Maybe they think sure. they're safe because whoever gets beaten or stabbed, you know, maybe there's some gang uh, relationship there or whatever, or drugs, and they think that that doesn't matter because it doesn't affect them. I have no idea what they're thinking. Why it's just mass shootings, uh, I would guess part of it is what they consider more, you know, unpredictable. But, um, you know, there, there have been more and more, and this is one of, one of the, uh, you know, positive uh, effects to come out of all this is people really are exploring a little bit more uh, the causes of this violence and fatherlessness is one that has been, uh, you know, is being brought up quite a bit more these days. And um, I think his name is Tim Rowe. He, he's a celebrity, but he doesn't like to talk politics these days. Um, but he is bringing up the issue of fatherlessness, and he had a Facebook piece recently in which he really got into that. And, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. You know, in, in our culture, they don't want to hear it. But obviously, one thing that these shooters have in common is not having that calming effect of a father figure who helps them navigate life and navigate and, you know, and help them, you know, model what it is to, you know, be a man and, and, um, and you know, engage in civil discourse that that's one huge part of the problem. I mean, as you probably know, you know, most incarcerations of male, I think it's something like 90%, uh, you know, come from fatherless homes. Uh, the other 10%, perhaps, they come from very dysfunctional homes. But the point is that that has a huge effect on the development of young men. And that's um, just one. Uh, another, you know, there are plenty of other ingredients that go into this, what I call deadly brew. I mean, you know, the, the attacks on family cohesion, the culture, uh, the toxic effect of the culture, the, the attacks on Christianity. Um, so much goes into that sense of alienation that creates the kind of environment that incubates that sort of mentality that has young men resorting to this sort of violence. And, you know, people think, you know, it's all about guns. You know, I think the worst mass killing in history had to do with bombings, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, 
you know, just driving a truck into a building, you know, with, you know, they just yes. gather up fertilizer or whatever else and concoct something that creates a huge explosion. I mean, and, and then one of these kids who also shot some people, I think it was in California, in addition to the, um, he, he, didn't he, he, I've forgotten what the name was, but it was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And he started by driving, or maybe ended by driving the car into a crowd, but he was he also stabbed, and then he also shot people. I've forgotten how many. Mm-hmm. But, but the point is, to zero in on the one method is a non sequitur, or I, I don't know. I mean, it yes. doesn't really yeah. address the cause. Yes, and I um, also... Uh really resonated with your article where you talked about the hypocritical aspect of this, where you have supporters like George Clooney um, Mm -hmm. talking about gun violence. And yet um, you go to a movie that he, you know, he's in or many of the actors are in and there's constant use of guns in movies, constant. Oh yeah. Oh, he's, uh, yeah. It's all over the place. You go to a movie, there's always a gun, it seems, or, or the online gaming uh, with with kids and teens. Uh, they're blowing people's brains out. Well, uh, mm-hmm. okay, um, if you really want to object to this kind of violence, maybe we ought to start with Hollywood. Maybe mm-hmm. we ought to get the guns out of Hollywood. Maybe we ought to get the guns out of the gaming. Not that I'm saying we should, but if you want to be consistent about this, Mr. Clooney, and others like you, uh, why don't you start right where you could actually have an effect, rather than chipping away mm-hmm. at our Second Amendment right, which is in the Constitution? Right. Oh yeah. No, George Clooney. I mean, one of the photographs of him holding him from one of his movies, holding a gun to the head of a young man. You know, couldn't yes. have been like a teenager. Um, and you know, it's uh, um, you know, I'm sure he could claim, well, I just played the villain, or, or you know, whatever his rationalization is, but. Um, He's modeling violence is Absolutely. what he's doing. Perhaps what he thinks he's doing now is re- redeeming himself, or, or maybe part of it. Who knows, you know? Uh, I think we're kind of stuck having to psychoanalyze because we're beginning to live in a more and more closed society. But, yeah. you know, I, I would guess part of it is he knows. Perhaps he knows that he promotes this sort of thing, and by... Uh, chipping in his whatever million, half million, whatever he chipped into this march, maybe he's like uh, redeeming himself, you know, for the left. Mm -hmm. I I have no idea, um, you know, what his motive is, but he, yeah, it's very hypocritical. Well, um, these things are troublesome, and uh, uh, on the bright side uh, here at the Ministry Redeemer Broadcasting, we have friends, lots of friends, uh, who are whose families are homeschooling, uh, they're in private schools, classical schools, and uh, a wonderful thing is happening where kids are learning how to think for themselves. It's, it's not mm-hmm. this uh, mass education and herding uh, that, that you spoke of. And um, more of this needs to happen because that's the future hope. Uh, we certainly don't want to be turning out a bunch of Marxists, which is against our Constitution, you know, it's it's against the constitutional republic. Uh, it just um, it's so encouraging for us to see these alternative educational forms that are truly successful. Kids are coming out, following a calling, doing something that they're really good at. And uh, many times in in the testing, uh, many times they 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 beat the public school students as well. 
Oh, absolutely. And they do it with far less time wasted. Oh. I mean, um, when I was a substitute teacher for, for a math schooling system in Maryland uh, some years ago, I remember I, uh, you know, I, you know, I homeschooled also. Like after that, I, mm-hmm. I went into the, you know, as a pub, as a substitute teacher, and I would come home from my days. They would give me the lesson plan and everything, and I'd follow through with the lesson plan. But with all the interruptions and all the behavior issues and everything else, and it had nothing really to do with me at all as a substitute teacher. It had to do with me looking at the lesson plan for the day and what happens during the day, and. I went. I would go home every time I do my stint as a sub teacher, and I'd say to myself, "My goodness, I could teach my kids more in five minutes than these kids right. learned all day long." <laughs> I mean, there really wasn't any learning. It was this regimentation. Uh, there were a few here and there, you know, little snippets of information, um, but uh, you know, in homeschooling, you basically. And then when I started homeschooling, oh my goodness. I felt like I was actually getting my own education it's in true. addition to my kids, you know? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, the parents don't, uh, you know, I think a lot of times the parents don't realize how much they can, you know, develop their own education through homeschooling. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's really, uh, there's, it, to me, it was just so gratifying. And, uh, and I know for the kids as well. Um, but yeah, that that's another good thing. Um, the the time is just so much better spent, and then the kids don't have that, you know, the 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 thought policing that goes on in the school at so many levels. First of all, the bureaucracy, and then of course the alpha kids who basically, I believe, I mean through my own observations, not only as a parent of kids who went to mega schools, but as a student in a mega school many years ago, I could see the pact that um, was formed between these alpha kids, the select, uh, and, and, and the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically would cue their peers to behave in, you know, in the ways that were authorized. And um, it's... Uh, you have to kind of study totalitarian systems to actually see that to a certain extent. You don't really, I mean, a lot of people can just see it for themselves, you know, and not beyond the whole teacher's pet thing. Um, it, there is a uh, really noxious uh, kind of system, almost like, um, you know, picking out certain prisoners to have an effect on the other prisoners in a way. It, 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 you know, there, there's a reflection of that. Uh, and uh, so, but there's a lot more people out there, including uh, there's this professor, Peter Gray, who runs a blog uh, called uh, Freedom to Learn uh, and wrote um, a fascinating piece for Salon Magazine, of all places, basically that school is a prison and it's doing a lot of damage to kids. And then uh, John Taylor Gatto wrote um, an excellent piece I commend to your listeners called Against School, uh, and he wrote that for Harper's. Again, you know, not exactly a conservative magazine, but um, as, uh, you know, little by little, uh, I think it was Peter Gray who said, the cat is scratching itself out of the bag, and as you said, uh, Dan, this is, uh, you know, this is actually a good thing that's happening. Kids are, 
you know, when they are away from that noxious environment, they do learn to oh, think yeah. for themselves. Their actual personalities can start blooming. And uh, that's what a republic, a free republic is all about. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, our, our bias is towards homeschooling. It's what we did uh, by the grace of God, and each of our children went down different paths, and uh, they had the freedom to do that to uh, basically follow their calling, do what they're really good at doing. Um, in your article, uh, just, we got only two minutes left, you, you have a whole section, let's check in on social manipulation. And if there's anything that burns me up, that really burns me up when I see these little kids, really don't know that much yet, being manipulated like pawns by this massive system. And you ask some questions. Uh, do you see signs of relational aggression in your school? Um, did mm-hmm. you know, And you already mentioned this. You know that a child can learn all the basics of reading, math, writing, in about 100 hours of attentive study. Um, to what extent does your school policy police your speech? Oh, that aggravates me. And and this mm-hmm. is this is a rich article. I would encourage our listeners to uh, look this up online. It's it's at the Federalist. Uh, it's called Twenty Plus Questions: Mass Schooling Survivors Need to Answer Before Hyping Gun Control. And in the last half a minute remaining, if someone wants to look you up, uh, how could they find you and read more? Oh, well, sure. Uh, well, if you go to the federalist.com slash author slash Stella Morabito, all one word, that will give you a list of all of my articles in the Federalist, or stellamorabito.net. Uh, I have a personal blog. It's, um, it's, you know, it's not up to date at the moment, but I, I do have a personal blog on which I deal with a lot of these issues that have to do with um, my theme, Relationships, Power, and Freedom. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, today our guest has been Stella Morobito, Senior Contributor to The Federalist. And Stella, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.